Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Momming Autism Podcast, where we are providing a positive platform for parents to share their stories about raising special needs children. We are your hosts, Amanda DeLuca and KDMD, and today we are pleased to bring you an amazing mama and a fellow Canadian mama for Katie, Crystal Venator of Stalin's Way. Welcome, Crystal, and thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. So, Crystal, could you start off by telling everyone a little bit about you and about Stalin and about your journey? Absolutely. So, uh, my name is Crystal. I live in Atlanta, Canada with my husband um, and our little boy, Stalin, who is now almost six years old. Diagnosed on the autism spectrum when he was 21 months. He is considered nonverbal, but he uses an AAC device. Um, with special software, ProLoquo. Also has suffered with um, a lot of stomach problems for the last two and a half years. And he just had his first surgery in September. He got a stochostomy. Um, He also has pica, chronic constipation, challenges with his legs that require him to wear orthotics eight hours a day. So our three biggest challenges are communication, his feeding and maintaining a healthy weight, and managing his constipation. So with the constipation, I feel like that and the communication kind of go hand in hand because he's so uncomfortable and it's probably difficult for him to tell you. And um, like for us, Jackson's diet is so limited anyway that it always kind of equaled to you know, bathroom issues because his diet was so limited. Yeah, it really, the constipation affects so much. Like, it, he, al- he already has a limited diet, but because he's constipated, he feels like he's full. Stuff, and then it affects his sleep. It affects his ability to focus and learn and pay attention. Um, when he really needs to go, he's like super agitated. So he's like stimming all the time. Um, and then he can't tell me what's going on on top of that. So it's, it's really affects everything. Um, Absolutely. So can you talk a little bit about, um, learning and navigating and using an AAC device, um, as a mode of primary communication? We visited that for a little while, but it wasn't long-term for us, but Prolo was very hard for me to set up and learn, and um, it's it's a process as a mom. Absolutely. We originally we started with Pex, um, and it kind of taught him the foundation and the basic concept of like ask and you will receive. Um, but he he was so into technology, like we would have to put our iPhones in a drawer and only get them out at certain times because he'd be crying for them and he was like scrolling and doing all this stuff and I found there was some challenges for me with pecs like taking it out of outside of the house and a lot like carrying it with I have to take when we leave so um so we switched to the prolo quo and I really had to invest a lot of my time and energy into learning how to use it um so I joined like a lot of support groups um, that like give tips and advice. And I just basically had to learn it by trial and error 
so then I could get him I basically had to learn it so that I could teach it to him we were fortunate enough that our intervention team worked with us on it um, and he already kind of had the basic concept of asking and getting something um, and it was really a matter of building boards constantly updating it and adding vocabulary and finding ways to incorporate it into our daily life so we've done a lot of like he has jokes where uh, boards where he tells jokes um, he uses it most of our family don't live in the same city that we live in so we use it for like he can wish people happy birthday or happy anniversary or say I miss you um, so that he's able to communicate with our family. We do, we play a lot of board games with it. We put some of his favorite books on it so that um, he can he can participate in the reading of the book, like books that have like a, a repeat chorus. So mm-hmm. it's really just finding ways to integrate it into our life, which um it's definitely been challenging and a, a lot of a lot of time has gone into it. Absolutely. We um, we used it for trick or treat one year and um, we also programmed it to communicate with our Alexa so that he could ask Alexa to play certain songs um, and she recognized it. So that was really it gave him a little sense of independence. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, yeah. Um, I agree with you though, and I think Katie, you will too, where we had to teach PEX first before we could do Prolo to lay that um, foundation of language. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was the same with us. Uh, with Avery, we actually, um, we didn't even really, I think, know right at the beginning that Prologo was even, even an option. Um, we kind of came into it knowing PEX was a thing. And and uh, years ago, I had learned about it um, when I had worked in early education, uh, way before I had kids. Um, so I already had a, a kind of an understanding of what PEX was and things like that. So uh, fast forward to having kids and having Avery, um, then I was able to take that knowledge and the, the very little that I had and, and then use that and then learn some more through um, different groups and then therapists and things like that to use uh, PECs and then we branched out um, kind of left PECs and used it as a starting point and then um, went to Prologo and had it on the iPad of course and Avery smashed I think we went through three or four iPads um, cases and all and uh, you know then finally we kind of called it quits like I was so sick of buying another iPad. I was like, this is, a, this is too much. Like this is insane. Um, that we, A for like we were done replacing it. And then the other side of it is that he really didn't want to use it. He would have rather carried around this huge binder of, of PEX cards, individual ones, ones that we made and then also sets that we had bought. Um, he was doing that better than than on the iPad and for him I think he saw the iPad as this is where I watch videos this is where mm-hmm. I play games this is not what I use to communicate I have the ugly blue binder for that like you know so um and then now like Avery's going to be 10 um he still uses PEX cards and a little bit of pro logo to go when he was in school before 
uh, COVID, pre-COVID. Um, and, and that's about it, you know, and, and he started to talk now. So, um, there's quite a few words that he had a card for, a PEX card for, and, and well, now we don't need it. So, um, I'm hoping that as Avery, you know, um, gets older, that we are able to, you know, maybe fully get rid of, you know, a communication device, um, and that he will have all of his words, wishful thinking. Um, but we just, we don't know. Um, but I think it's definitely a very good resource and tool, um, for parents to have that have kids that, you know, um, have speech delays or, or diagnosed on verbal or, um, anything like that. It really opens up a family's world and, and gives a child an opportunity um, and, you know, a chance to be independent and have some control over their life. Absolutely. So, Crystal, you had said that your team worked with you on your speech device. What does school and therapy look like um, pre-COVID and now, um, you know, living in a pandemic for you, your family? So, right now, well, we... We're in New Brunswick, so we get um, 20 hours of autism intervention, in-home autism intervention a week, um, and we are still getting that. When COVID first started and everything kind of closed, we didn't have, our services were suspended for about three months, but now we have like different levels of restrictions. So if we go into red restriction, um, our services are suspended, but as long as we're in orange, we're good. We just have a lot more uh, precautions and like cleaning protocols. We have to take temperatures every day. Um, so lots of lots of rules to follow to go in. What therapy have you seen the most benefit from? I would probably like the the in-home therapy that we do I'm really involved in um and a lot Mm -hmm. of it is like we work on like uh toilet training and we work on uh using proloquo but then we work on other things that uh like daily living and independent skills so things like getting dressed brushing your teeth um we're, when we started uh, in 2017, we started, and where we are now, like sound has come leaps and bounds. Like I don't really know where we would be without it. And there's been lots of things, like life things that happens. Like like we sold our house, we bought a new house. He was probably in the hospital. He was hospitalized like probably four or five times. He had a surgery like all sorts of things that just are beyond our control, but they were there to support us through them all. So, so it was just an amazing service that we were so fortunate to have. Um, Stalin was supposed to start, he was supposed to go to kindergarten this year, um, but he got a one year deferral because of the situation with his, his medical situation. So he'll be starting kindergarten um, in September. So exciting and scary, sorry. My Jackson um, is six also, and we um, started kindergarten this fall. And I felt like when we left preschool environment and went to kindergarten, that I was sending him off to college, you would have thought, because I was like sobbing and scared. And I text his team, I know his team, but it was just this change from 
little to big school. Yeah, it's scary and it's exciting Mm -hmm. and scary and overwhelming and it always seems to be the hardest on us, right? Absolutely. I will say um, academically he needed kindergarten. Socially, um, we did one extra year of preschool Um, and socially he's still catching up, but um, academically he had to go to kindergarten because preschool he was done with circle time and those types of things. He didn't have time for that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So Crystal, can you talk a little bit about um, PICA? Because a lot of um, our kids put things in their mouth and that's a lot of um, sensory issues, but PICA is a whole nother um, category. Yep. And we, PICA is like my nemesis. (laughs) It's, it's something that we've been dealing with for, for years. Well, it seems like forever, but for a few years. But basically, pica is eating non-food items that have no nutritional value. So things like dirt, hair, paper, sand, basically anything that they can get their hands on. I know for Stalin, um, it was really noticeable to us because of his feeding issues. So. Um, like he would only eat three foods, but he would eat like paper and things on the floor and whatever he could get his hands on. And I know that it's, you know, pretty typical, you know, parents can say, well, that there was a, a certain period where their child would like mouth and eat things that they probably weren't supposed to. Um, but with pica, it's sort of a, it goes on for an extended period of time and it usually lasts past the age of two. Um, so I know for us, um, with Stalin, we seem to go through cycles of it. So we might go through a couple of weeks or even a month where it's really bad. And then we'll have a break for a couple of weeks. And then it's just kind of a cycle that repeats itself. Um, so some of the, the steps that we've kind of gone through is, uh, we always when it gets really bad we always have blood work done we check to see if he has any like vitamin deficiencies um and we also get his toxicity levels checked because sometimes he's like eating paint chips and things that can be hazardous we also make sure that um that he doesn't have any blockages or things like that Uh, i usually increase his sensory play a lot so we do a lot of water play which he really likes um he Mm -hmm. He has a Zilla that he chews on, so I usually make sure that he has that, so that I can, if I catch him eating something that eating something that he shouldn't, then I can easily redirect him to that, and it still gives him some sensory input. Um, I always try to make sure that his hands are busy, like that we're always doing activities, because if he if he doesn't have something in his hands, then he's more likely to pick something up. Uh, I usually have to clean a lot, especially especially in the winter I find it really bad because we're in Canada and we get so much snow we have to put like salt down and sand down in our driveway and it ends up getting like trapped in the house and it's like it's like Mm -hmm. a buffet for him right like he's always down on the floor (laughs) getting it so I'm like constantly like sweeping and making sure trying to get that stuff picked up Um, But I'm also really careful because of like choking and I kind of use the rule of thumb and I always tell it to other people is to not let him have anything that would fit through a toilet paper roll because it kind of symbolize that as a throat. So anything that has like small pieces Mm -hmm. or parts. So, so yeah, that's kind of 
we we deal with it as it comes and those are sort of the strategies that we that we've been using and um i also make sure that i try not to if i catch them eating something that is a definite no-no i try not to make a big deal about it i try to just quietly take it away from him because i don't want to give him attention and <laughs> reinforce him for for eating something off the floor um but yeah right. it's a constant struggle <laughs> so is this something that you saw or is this something that your doctor saw um because i think a lot of parents are probably thinking um oh my goodness my child puts everything in their mouth my jackson does but um you know we've had his levels checked and we continue to monitor it and his is just sensory input but for some people it could be pica i think we really noticed it when <laughs> as he was like destroying furniture like biting had like a oh we really noticed it because we had like a fake kind of leather couch and it would like peel so he was like he was like mm-hmm. eating the couch so i remember having a conversation with the doctor and there was a number of things that he was he was just always on the floor like i would say to the doctor i don't understand like he's only eating three foods but he's eating he's spending you know two hours a day on the floor looking for eating things that he shouldn't and he was probably like between two and a half closer to three and the doctor's like okay like there's a certain point in development where a child doesn't typically do that for an extended period of time like he was doing so that's kind of how it how it came to be mm-hmm. and um also a lot of um parents who have children on the spectrum struggle with constipation i know katie and i just had this um discussion the other night what is your um like tried and true methods what is your best advice um for parents who may be struggling oh with that goodness. also <laughs> i could do, i could do like a whole a whole talk on constipation because we've been dealing with it for so long and we we've kind of reached the point where like we've tried all the medications he's had all the tests we started with like he currently takes um like a stool softener and a powder peg powder every day but we're at the point where he he has the sacostomy so he has a tube um i don't know if you guys are familiar with the sacostomy but it's a, it's very similar to a feeding tube it's in the stomach um and it actually connects to his intestines and it allows me to i put medicine through the tube and it basically gives him an enema once a day to to uh clean out his system so that's how we've kind mm-hmm. of gone through all the tried and true methods and they just didn't work for us and that was a last resort. So, so that's where I know a lot of we've tried like we've done like the massages, the adding fiber, the the probiotic, the prebiotic, the laxatives, the you know, just different medications that we've tried. So this kind of once you start seeing a physician and they start you keep going back and forth and they just kind of keep moving you along to the next phase but it's definitely a struggle and sometimes it's just a matter of uh, diet fixes it kind of really depends on the child and some kids respond well to things and some don't so it's it's really a trial and error i think mm-hmm. what well, in my jackson is so rigid in his eating that um diet change is a dream um but it isn't yeah. realistic for us um he's stuck in his carbs um he'll eat one to two fruits he will chew on one vegetable but he doesn't typically swallow and consume it 
Um, mm. And that's about it. Um, so, um, Katie, what about for you? I mean, um, your kiddos have some potty issues as well. And I think limited diets as well, correct? Definitely for Avery. Uh, Avery has like a just a short little list of very selective foods that um, he will eat. And, you know, it's been years of, you know, probiotic, and you name it, we've pretty much tried it and oils and all of the things. And um, it's tough. It is a very, very tough thing. Like, I know that is something that parents struggle with. And, and when you talk about constipation and talk about uh kiddos diets and and even kids that are on the spectrum and gut health and all of that and it's just it's a lot and I actually didn't realize um like at the very beginning when when we started our journey with autism I thought it was like one of those things like you know just not every kid on the spectrum just like you know Sally that lives in Calgary or whoever you know like it was just it wasn't everybody really and the more people that I know that I connect with and, and families that I know, all of them have this story of, you know, our kids only eat, you know, this many, this kind of food or or really um, drawn to, that's what I want to say, very drawn to carbs. So that mm-hmm. that's Avery. Avery loves a good old carb, like French fries, chicken nuggets, white bread, like he thrives on that. And I'm just like, oh yeah, like I'm not a white bread person. So um, he loves it, but you know, um, he doesn't really eat fruit. So then like that was a struggle. And and at the very beginning, now we've came leaps and bounds, but when he was very young, you know, getting a probiotic into him or getting anything into him, like there was, there was crying and, and like I have, I have nightmares about trying mm-hmm. to get like <laughs> X amount of things into him. It was like it was like a horror yeah. story to be honest. So um, it's hard. It's really really tough. So it, I think sometimes um, you know myself or other parents that have kids that are older, um, you know, or sometimes people who have younger kids. It just it just depends. You know, they have they make it sound so easy. They're just like, oh, I went and got, you know, this liquid vitamin and I got, you know, this probiotic and I put it in their smoothie and da 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 da. You know, they're giving advice to other parents. And these other parents are like, I can't even get my kid to lick the spoon that has icing on it. Like, never yeah. mind like a, a probiotic. And and it's yeah. you know, you want to help your kiddo so much. You know, when you have a kiddo, and and I'll use Avery as the example, like there was like a whole year and a half we went through where he had no control um, over like his stomach and his gut health and all the things and we couldn't figure it out and and we still hit that point but there was a long stretch um, and and he wasn't eating so then when he wasn't eating you know he was having uh, like horrible diarrhea and then he would get like really backed up and it was like this constant struggle and I remember when we were in the thick of it of all of that and and poop smearing and oh god nightmares um I was just like just poop normal like I didn't really know what that meant but I was just like 
oh, like, I just want this to be okay. And I don't want you to be constipated. And I don't want you to have diarrhea. But I didn't know how to fix yeah. it, see? Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't know what was going to work with him or work for him. And I think, I, I think I, there was a pharmacy uh, close to where we live. And I think I was the reason that place <laughs> stayed open. Like, we joke about it. Because I bought every vitamin, every oil, every like if there was something that some person on the wild west of the internet was saying that you should do for constipation gut health whatever it may be like we were buying it like we were doing it because that's how desperate i was because i just was like i felt horrible like i i felt like the bad mom and and not because somebody told me i was a bad mom i literally put that label on myself because it's like i have this kid who is vulnerable who needs me more than anything and i can't help him i i can't help him i can't help him you know uh in talking about pooping i can't get him potty trained i don't know like what i'm doing and the kid won't eat and and for us like sharing our story online there were so many times that I wanted to say like me over here like I don't know what I'm doing like somebody come help us but I didn't want anybody to see me as a bad mom because I have this kid and I can't get him to eat or I can't get him to you know eat fruit or vegetables or I can't you know fix the problem of him being constipated and you know for people looking outside looking in you know from the outside to our life you know people don't get it like they're just like you know give your kid a laxative and everything's gonna be great like they think it's very simple to just you do this and everything will be okay that's I think that's what I find so hard um about sharing some things and I don't know about you Crystal how you really feel about it but I I find that struggle and especially when we talk about like gut health and probiotics and things like that because it not everything works for everyone it's Mm-hmm. I totally, I to- like, I totally, I'm on board with everything you're saying. There's been so many times, like, so Stalin's almost six, he eats eggs and a baby puree and so, uh, and some crackers. That's basically his mm-hmm. diet. So mm-hmm. we, and we go, we see the dietitian. we see, you know, we have lots of professional support services and I keep, you know, I, I get the handouts from the food guide and I know what he should be eating, but how do I get him to consume it? That's the challenge. That's where the challenge mm-hmm. really lies. And uh-huh. with, with the constipation, that obviously is playing a big a big role in the constipation problems that Stalin's having. But I always thought the constipation was like you, you just you couldn't go, you couldn't go, and you needed to. But he actually has always went. It was just never enough. So that was kind of a different take mm-hmm. on constipation for me too. Uh-huh. To, to see it from that from that point of view but yeah it's definitely one of those things where and like you said if someone tells you something that works you're so desperate that you have to try it because you don't it may work and it may not and you you need to try it to find out in case it does work right so well there there was a point I think that we were well I was embarrassed I don't think my husband cared at all but I was embarrassed we had our entire therapy team and and school worker and school team at our house and they had asked me something about like what probiotic was Avery getting in the morning and they just you know wanted to write it you know in a file 
And I remember opening the cupboard and Avery had been in the cupboard and he was sorting and lining everything up. And I like couldn't find it. And I'm taking all this stuff. It was like I was a drug dealer. That is the best way I can like, you know, because here's me like taking out like 20 different kinds of probiotics and 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 like eight different bottles of fish oil and all of these things. And I remember just glancing over and looking at our uh, speech therapist and um, the kind of the behavioral therapist for um, our area and they kind of both look at each other like I'm nuts like are you seeing this mom like take all these things like I think they were worried that I was actually giving Avery every single one but it was just like so we've tried them all like we tried every single one and and you know but it was you know judgment and like looking at me like oh my well, god and what do you do with them you buy them $80 on the internet because Anna said they'll work and they ship them to you and they smell horrible and they taste horrible and they're green so your kids takes one smell of it it's open you can't return it and then you're on to the next product and the next and the next because there's no hiding some of these things but like you said Crystal you have to try it because it may be the one that works yep uh-huh. so so Crystal if you had one piece of advice for a newly diagnosed mom, what do you wish someone would have told you? Oh gosh, I would probably have to say to believe in and have confidence in the fact that regardless of any diagnosis that you know your child best, um, I would probably mm -hmm. say uh, to find a, put together a good professional team, find people that are a good fit, make sure that you ask questions, but also keep in mind that those people mostly see a snapshot of your child. They could be seeing them on a really good day, they could be seeing them on a really bad day, but just trust your gut and be confident in the fact that you know Uh, if you if something's suggested and you know that it isn't going to work for your child, then just speak up and tell them. I guess that would be my advice. Mm -hmm. I will say um, our mom yeah. guts are typically never wrong, number one. And number two, not every therapist exactly. has to be the right therapist. Um, there, are, there are great therapists who just didn't mesh well with Jackson. And that's okay. Maybe later, maybe further along in his journey but at that at that moment it was never going to be a working relationship and that's okay yeah I found like at the very beginning it was just almost so overwhelming that I just kind of went along with what everybody was telling me <laughs> if that makes sense like I I, mm -hmm. I, yep. I wasn't asked I yep. may have had questions but it was just like I was used to I've never dealt with anything like that so I was used to I was just taking everyone everyone for their, their word and not questioning it and yeah, I wish that I had a, maybe asked questions that I was scared to ask or instead of even though I knew something wasn't going to work, I tried it because I didn't want to tell the doctor that's not going to work or make it seem like I was I didn't, being difficult or, but yeah, I'm, I'm a different mom now. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, we yeah. find our voice along the way, I think. Yes. Well, Crystal, thank you so much for joining us. You um, are such a wealth of knowledge and it was so wonderful to hear about your story. Could you tell anyone listening 
where they can follow you to learn more about yep, um, yourself and Stalin. Facebook. We have a page. It's called Stalin's Way. And we're also on Instagram. Um, and our account is uh, Stalin's Way. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We will be sure to put both of those names um, in the episode details so that everyone can follow you. And thank, thank you. you all so much for joining us. Bye. Bye-bye.